Chapter Two of No Quarter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by W. P. Costello. No Quarter, by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter Two, Foes Become Friends. The young cavalier was now altogether at the mercy of his older, and, as proved, abler antagonist. He knew the latter could take his life, and had the right, as well as good reason, from the great provocation given him in that shower of insulting epithets, the latest of them lâchés. For all, he quailed not, neither made attempt to elude the next thrust of the victorious sword. Instead, he stood his ground, crying out, You have conquered! You can kill me! Kill you? rejoined the victor, with that same light laugh as before. Well, that's just what I've been endeavouring not to do. But it has cost me an effort. All my skill. Had you been an ordinary swordsman, I'd have disarmed you at the first pass after engaging. I've done it with others, half a dozen or more. With you, it was just as much as I was able, without absolutely taking your life, a thing far from my thoughts, and as far from my wishes. And now that's all over, and we've neither of us murdered the other. Am I to say surrender? He still spoke laughingly, without the slightest tone of satire or show of exultation. You can command it promptly responded the vanquished youth, now doubly vanquished. I cry quarter. Crave it, if you like. There was no fear of death made him thus humbly submit. But a sudden revulsion, an outburst of gratitude, to a conqueror, alike merciful and generous. Ere this, the attendants had got upon the ground, seeming undecided whether to pitch in with their masters, or cross swords on their own account. Both had drawn them, and waited but word or sign, scowling savagely at each other. Had it come to blows between the men, the result, in all probability, would have been as with their masters. The cavalier's lightweight valet, looking anything but a match to the stout-bodied veteran-like individual, who was henchman to his antagonist. As it was, they had not resolved themselves till the combat came to an end. Then hearing the word quarter, and seeing signs of amnity resort, they slipped their blades back into their scabbards, and sat awaiting orders. Only one of them received any just then. He, the heavy one. Dismount, Hubert, commanded his master, and return his weapon to this young gentleman, who, as you can testify, well deserves to wear it. And now, sir, he continued to the young gentleman himself. Along with your sword, let me offer you some apologies, which are owing. I admit my words were rather rough. And call for qualification. Or, to speak more clearly, explanation. When I said that the man who was not a Republican must be deficient, either in head or heart, I meant one who has reached years of discretion, and seen something of the world, as, for instance, myself. At your age, I too was a believer in kings, 
even the doctrine of divine right, brought up to it. Possibly, when you hear my name, you'll admit that. You will give me your name? asked the other, eagerly. I wish it, that I may know to whom I am beholden for so much generosity. Very generous on your part, to say that I am Sir Richard Welwyn. Ah, a relative of the Scudamores, are you not? A distant relative. But I have not seen any of them lately, having just come back from the low countries, where I have been fighting in a bit. In better practice from that, with my hands still in, which may account for my having got the better of you, he again laughed lightly. The young cavalier protested against the generous admission, and then went on to say that he knew the Scudamores well, especially Lord Scudamore, of Holm Lacey. "'I've often met his lordship at the palace,' was the concluding remark. "'At what palace, pray?' inquired Sir Richard. "'Oh, Whitehall. I did not think of specifying. "'Which proves that you yourself came from it.' "'As one of the king's people, I take it, or in the queen's service, more like. "'I was, but not now. "'I've been at court for the last few months in the capacy of gentleman usher. "'And now?' "'But I crave pardon. It is rude of me to cross-question you this. "'Tell it all, Sir Richard. You have every right. "'After being so frank with me, I owe you equal frankness. "'I have given up the appointment I held at court. "'And am now on my way home, to my father's house, in Monmouthshire. "'Your father is Sir William Trevor. "'Ah! And now I can understand why a blood boiled up at my strenuous defence of the Parliament.' <laughs> The son of Sir William Trevor. But we won't enter upon politics again. After blows, words are inadmissible. As ungracious. Your father's house is near Abergavenny, if I remember rightly. It is. That's a good twenty-seven miles from here. You don't propose going there tonight. Uh, no, I intend putting up the night at Monmouth. Well... That's within the possibilities, but not within daylight, unless you press your horse hard. And he looks rather jaded. No wonder I've ridden him all the way from Whitney, in Oxfordshire, since six this morning. He must be good stuff to stand it, and show the spirit he did just now. But for all, he seems rather badly done up. Another reason for my having got the better of you. At this, both smiled the young cavalier, as before, refusing to accept the complimentary acknowledgment. A pity, ran on Sir Richard, to press the poor animal farther tonight, that is, so far as Monmouth. It's all of ten miles yet, and the road difficult, pitches up and down. You should rest him near, by way of reward for his noble performance of the day. Indeed, I was thinking of it, had half made up my mind to sleep in Culliford. Ah, you mustn't stop at Culliford, much less sleep there. And why not? The Culliford people are mad angry with the king, as are most others in the forest. No wonder, from the way Sir John Wintour has been behaving to them since he got the monopoly grant of what his majesty had no right to give. Rights that are theirs. Their blood's up about it, and just now to appear in the streets of Culliford, dressed as you are, cavalier in courtier fashion, might be attended with danger. I'll risk. Defy it. Bravely spoken. "'and I have no doubt you'd bravely do both. "'But there's no need for you doing one or the other. 
If you describe these colourful fellows all right, how can I help it, Sir Richard? My road passes through their town. True, but there's a way you may avoid it. Oh, I'm not going to sulk around, taking bypaths like a thief or deer-stealer. I'll give them a fight first. And that fight might be your last, likely would, Master Trevor. But no, you fought your way into the forest so gallantly. It behooves me all but conquered to see you safe out of it. To do which, however, I must ask you to give up all thoughts of sleeping either at Monmouth or Colford, and be my guest for the night. But where, Sir Richard? I did not know that you had a house in the forest. Nor have I, but one of my friends has, and I think I can promise you fair hospitality in it, by proxy. Besides, that little hole I've made in your hand, sorry at having made it, needs looking to without delay, and my friend has some skill as a surgeon. I could offer some other inducements that might help in deciding you. As, for instance, a pair of pretty faces to see. But coming from the court of Queen Harrynette, with a galaxy of grand arms, perhaps you've had a surfeit of that sort of thing. The young courtier shifted uneasily in his saddle, a slight blush coming over his cheeks, as though the words rather gave him pain. If not, continued Sir Richard, without heeding these indices of emotion, I can promise to show you something rare in the way of feminine beauty. For that, I'll back Sabrina and Vaga against all your maids of honour and court ladies, the Queen included, and win with either. Sabrina, Vaga, singular names. May I ask who the ladies are? You may do more. Make their acquaintance, if you consent to my proposal. You will? Sir Richard, your kindness overpowers me. I am at your service every way. Thanks. Let us on, then, without delay. We've yet full five miles of road before us, ere we can reach the cage that holds this pair of pretty birds. Allons. At which he gave his horse the spur, Trevor doing the same. And once more the two rode side by side, but friendly now, even to affection. End of chapter two. Recording by W. P. Costello.